0: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that
1: are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
2: Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 96 for April 26, 2012. On today's show, we're talking about the rule joint, storing your tools for long periods of time, and our scariest workshop safety moments because we actually are coming into Safety Week 2012. So Woo-hoo. it's always always fun to talk about how you almost lose limbs and, and digits and things like that.
0: Uh, Blood and guts, buddy. bloody and guts. Oh, yeah. We're going to compare scars later. That's true. Uh, before we get to that, though, Matt, can you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Yep, of course, as always, there are several different ways you can reach out and contact us in case you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about maybe something you've heard in today's show or perhaps something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. You can Skype us over at woodtalkonline, Online, or you can check out our individual sites at renaissancewoodworker.com thewoodwhistler.com and matt'sbasementworkshop.com <laughs> and especially find us over at the forum at woodtalkonline.com where Shannon always is first
3: ha <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't interrupt sure. Matt's flow ever by the way I know. Matt is (laughs) unshakable.
0: Hey, as long as it's written right in front of me, I'm so reading it. But (laughs) man, the the words go away and I'm like, uh, duh, duh, Uh, duh, 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 duh.
2: (laughs) Nice.
3: You stay
0: classy, Matt.
3: Stay classy.
2: (laughs) All right. So Matt, what's on, not on your mind, what's
0: on your workbench? A lot of sawdust right now. That's about it. That's right. the, the only thing that's been going on. I swear every time I turn around and something new comes up or uh, me going face down in the couch, there's been a lot of that lately. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe I'm just not getting enough sleep during the week or something, mm-hmm. but when the weekend rolls around, got to get up early for soccer games. And um, I really have been struggling to get down to the shop. One thing I will say is remember the past couple of episodes, I've talked about the, uh, entertainment center redo that I was going to end up doing for the brand new TV that I got. I think I mentioned that in the last episode, I got a brand new TV. Yes. Yes, you did <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. I think so, so. Uh, the, well, in case I'll tell you about it later, Shannon, it's a really nice one. We'll send pictures of it. Sure. Uh, I don't have one. <laughs> I've been watching you on my Roku box on. It's really nice. You look great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we have this uh, this old buffet that we're going to end up turning into an entertainment center. Turns out we actually have a, another piece of uh, furniture that my wife ended up finding on the side of the road, which works a lot better <laughs> for the space I'm that we have. <laughs> I, I hope that's not really I – sh- I should be careful how I say that because then a lot of people would see the furniture in our house and assume that must be the piece that she picked up. i will be like, no, that <laughs> no, was wife. the piece I featured last year on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Took 80 hours to make that. Don't you remember that? It was a 10-part series. Uh, But anyways, so we're not going to end up using this buffet thing, which really kind of disappointed me because – for once I actually started doing research into the different ways that I could really make this a fully functional entertainment piece. Uh, Something like, I was looking at um, uh, remote control relay systems that you could put in there so that I could have like a drawer closed with things hidden away. Um, I was looking at a proper way to do ventilation so that the pieces that are tucked away aren't gonna overheat. Hmm. Um, All these just really minute little details that I think often, well, the pieces that I built before, uh, I wouldn't even think about because my last entertainment center, everything was out in the open. So I didn't have to worry about stuff like air circulation, um, worry about trying to get a remote control so that it could be tucked away wherever, you know, the pieces and stuff like that. So when she told me, no, we're going to use this one that I picked over on the corner of Wickham and Roberts, um, I was pretty <laughs> much devastated by that. So. Oh, man. There is a part of me that thinks I still might follow through with this and maybe like, I don't know, throw it out on the corner and try and sell it or wait for somebody else to pick it up. Watch watch Sam bring that home.
1: Which you probably <laughs> would. You, look, look what Sam I just found. It. It's so you
0: need to get
3: like three blocks over and set it on the corner and see if it ends up back in your house. <laughs> uh,
0: it has an outlet system built into it and everything. Who would throw something like that away? Mm Jeez, that's a shame. Well yeah, so. you know,
2: it is what it is, but it, I mean you're still so you're still recycling at least something, sort of, right?
0: Right. And actually with this one, the, the piece we are using right now, uh, I do need to build a small shelf for one more component to be able to add that in there. And so there is a little bit of you've got um, that. Yeah, I, I get to at least build a small shelf and, and, and paint it red. Nice. So okay. that's about it. <laughs> but other than that, that's the only thing I have going on on my bench. Mark, how about you? I'm uh, thinking about safety week. In fact, someone reminded me
2: last week that it was coming up and I said, oh yeah, that thing that I started for some reason a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's right. Pretty crazy uh, enough to
0: start a whole week dedicated to safety. Something
2: as boring as safety. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I better come up with some content for that week. So um, I started thinking about uh, some of the stuff, you know, products that I had. And and unfortunately, uh, I guess it's kind of uh, unfortunately unfortunately fortunately at the same time, a lot of this safety stuff, Besides the common sense elements that we we try to teach people, a lot of it does come down to using the right devices and things uh, to help keep yourself safe, Um, primarily splitters. I mean, table saws have been the topic of conversation as far as it concerns safety, thanks to all the saw stop stuff lately. Um, So it's one of those things that I think we really do need to remind folks that you need to use some sort of a a splitter or anti-kickback mechanism on your table saw. So I started thinking about, well, what's out there, you know, and what would be easy for people and the uh, micro jig MJ splitter is really when you're thinking about simple installations on pretty much any saw out there, um, I don't think there's really anything that beats it and I wanted to try it for myself because I've uh, I've used it before, excuse me, at the uh, William Eng school a couple of years ago. He used to have the sp- the plastic ones, the original MJ splitter. Um, And they use them over there. And then I think the the second time I went, they had loosened up enough that they were kind of falling off. People weren't really using them anymore. Now this was like a year and a half later after hundreds of students have abused the crap out of them. Uh, So what I wanted to really try was their Steel Pro series. And it's the ones with the steel bodies and the plastic uh, outer coating. So they're much more rigid and durable. So I'm thinking that probably is gonna be the way for people to go, but that's all I had on hand to, to demonstrate and test. Um, so I got to uh, put one in my zero clearance insert and gave it a whirl, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I think it's a, a great. And it's not going to replace my riving knife, but it's it's certainly for someone who's got an old saw, or used saw, or one of those saws that comes with those clunky, you know, combination uh, splitter covers that it's all plastic and you just kind of. Throw it right. on the side and never put mm-hmm. it back on the saw. The spring-loaded
3: paws that like <laughs> yeah. don't let go of the board ever. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. So that those things, um, you know, it's it's you still want to have some kind of a blade guard over your 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 blade if you can. But at the very least, if you do nothing else to make your saw safer, you should really be using some sort of a splitter. And these MJ splitters, I think, are pretty um, pretty slick and and easy to install. All you need is that yeah. uh, zero clearance insert to do it. So that's that's pretty much what I've been focused on. I used that
3: plastic one for, I don't know, shortly after it came out, right up until the one I sold my table saw. And it it lasted. Um, I One of the little posts, you know, there's three posts that slot into your zero clearance. One of the posts actually snapped off.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Um,
3: I think I, you know how they have like the three pluses, two pluses, one plus, it pushes the board against the fence and you can put the three plus side. So it's like three thousandths of an inch Instead of being directly in line with the blade, it's thousandths of an inch closer to the fence. Right. And it kind of acts as a, um, what's that thing called? Featherboard. Yeah, mini featherboard. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> um, and I think I had, I had it set too much. So when the board was pushing it against it, it was like torquing the little splitter back and it snapped off the front peg. I imagine that's probably why they went to the metal thing because they're just more durable.
2: Yeah, for sure. And they, they really push that mini featherboard concept so they're really encouraging you to use it so I'm hoping that the steel body one is going to resist any kind of (laughs) bending and it's also the steel ones are only two pegs so they must really have a whole lot more confidence in those Um, you know I'm glad you mentioned that because the the other feature that I didn't know about as much as I've you know seen these things in the past is they have a new kerf keeper feature have you uh, seen anything about that
3: kerf keeper kerf keeper
2: yeah it's it's actually fun to say though it is say it five times fast But if you, you know how they have the double installation where you have um, uh, basically two splitters in a row, two of these little steel splitters. One is kind of left aligned to keep the left side of the workpiece off and the other is right aligned to keep the right side. And then you could have the plus signs to make it uh, have that mini featherboard effect. Well, there's right. another uh, installation option where you could put what they call their curve keeper. It looks like the, the other ones. It's just solid plastic and it goes in the second position. So if your workpiece does start to pinch behind the blade, it will actually pinch the plastic piece and it's it's intentionally fits loosely so that as it pinches, it lifts out. So if you see that little piece start walking uh, and oh, traveling okay. on you, That's it says, cool. you know, hey dummy, you got something going <laughs> on here. Stop the saw or, or figure out what to do. Um, additionally, because it's wedged there, It's keeping that curve from closing up on you, and and physically stopping it from closing, which could create a a dangerous situation. So, Hmm. yeah. So I was like, that that is nifty. That's nifty right there.
0: So micro jig guys, they're always working on something to keep us safe. They show is. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about that for for some reason, and I I I was gonna start looking around for it because I was just thinking of of something like that the other day, and uh, I some people have mentioned, and I don't know if they're. Where this is, or if you guys have ever done this, about creating zero clearance inserts for dado blades and using uh, those particular little um, uh, the, the micro jig things uh, to help with that. So when, it's one of those things that I can't imagine. Well, obviously, you wouldn't use a riving blade whenever you're creating a dado. Uh, are too I have tall? To, they don't well, work with, for anything other than a through cut, right? Right, exactly. That was my thought on it. I mean, you couldn't use it for like, you know, a stop dado or something. And obviously, if you're making a really shallow one, about a quarter of an inch, they stick up kind of high, if I remember right. I mean, I don't have any in the shop with me.
2: Yeah, so wait, what, what is your question now? Using using these with a zero clearance dado insert?
0: Well, you're not staying up with a voice in my head? I'm
2: just, trying to, I'm just trying to... I interrupted him. My fault. Wait, carry on. No,
0: uh, but yeah, exactly. Using this with your zero clearance insert for a dado blade. Like somehow, like if you, okay, you knew that you're going to use a dado blade that is say half an inch, Yeah, you know, you've got your stack dado, you have a specific zero clearance insert that is for half an inch and then having one of those on there. I don't know what, I don't know if you used it, what side would you have it at? Obviously towards the side where the fence is.
2: Well, I would have it on both sides. I mean, the, the, the installation that they give you, the installation options are to install two in a row. Uh, right, okay. right behind, and you offset them. So one would be, like I said before, aligned left, and the other aligned right. Uh, two problems you're going to have with that. Number one, the jig that's used to install these, I don't think it really allows you to install that second one any further than the kit is expecting you to. So if you have a a quarter inch or a half inch dado stack in there, you're never really going to get that other one aligned properly. I mean, you you might. You would have to measure and kind of do it manually. You wouldn't be able to use their jig uh, without some. I don't know, finagling, to get, to get it to work. Um, right. Well, you know what? The setup procedure first starts by creating a kerf, and then you drop this thing into the kerf. If you, instead of making a kerf, you actually just cut your dado, and then use that as your guide to align mm. the jig, you might be able to to do that. So I take that back. Um, but you will, of course, have the limitation of of blade height, because these things themselves are about, I don't know, I guess about three quarters of an inch above the saw, So you you would not be able to use this trick for anything that was less than three quarters of an inch in height. So that'd be a pretty Mm -hmm. deep dado. So if you're doing like standard cabinet dados, maybe three eighths of an inch or a quarter inch, um, you would not be able to use these to do that.
0: Right. So that, well, that's what I was thinking, because as you were talking about them, and like I said, I was thinking about it the other day, because actually I think I had I had a listener that had, had wrote me a question asking something about the fact, you know, once in a while I've used, I've shot a scene where I didn't have a riving writh- knife in, which makes me think maybe they're watching a really old episode with my old table saw. Hmm. But regardless, the, this whole thing about being able to add one of those on and then how would you use it with the dado, which wasn't part of their question. This is Typically, the thought pattern that goes through my head—it yeah. <laughs> you know, just jumps from what. Oh, look at there's a bagel now. Back over to <laughs> what was on TV last night. Oh yeah, the Datos, to micro jig, um, but okay, so micro machine to, man. To, <laughs> you know. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go see. Google that. All right, never mind. <laughs> it's, it was just one of those things. that, For some reason, I just remember that that coming up or or seeing something about that and if it could be used. But obviously, the height limitation is the major issue there. That's just really. And there's so,
2: much, there's so much variability when you're cutting dados, you know, just even from one piece of plywood to the next where you need to use a, a little shim uh, to get the perfect setting, that it would be really hard to lock down. I have trouble just locking down an insert to any particular dado size, uh, let alone trying to get a perfectly aligned, um, you know, kickback, anti-kickback thing installed. So that would be tricky. I mean, it's possible, but it would be right. tricky. So, yeah. It's always
1: possible.
3: Yeah. So that's that. So
2: Shannon, <laughs> how about you? What you got on the bench?
3: Uh, let's see. Well, <clears throat> I, well, I finished my joinery bench long time ago cause I took it to woodworking in America, but I knew that there were some inadequacies in it and I have been working on it for working at it, I should say for about six months. And then I finally, uh, added some more things to it to make it a little more stable and added a planing beam to it. And it's a, it's a fully functional, uh, apartment workbench, which is kind of cool. So I started working on this little clock I'm building. And I told myself that I would build the whole clock using that planing beam in the joinery bench, which is actually a lot harder than it sounds, not because it's hard to work at the bench, but when you've got an eight-foot rubo on one side of the shop, you just kind of automatically go there. <laughs> yes. So I found myself like halfway through a plane pass going, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this on the planing beam. So then I stop what I'm doing, walk to the other side of the shop and set up on that bench. But it, it's, it's actually, it's pretty cool. Um, I I could really see like setting up this bench in like a small extra bedroom or in an apartment or something like that. And you could actually do just about anything you want on it, which is certainly wasn't my original thought when I built it. Mm-hmm. Um, I built it, you know, primarily for dovetailing and for joinery, but just based upon some, you know, listener, watcher, whatever we call audience feedback, uh, I, I added that in and it, it's pretty exciting. Um, nice. I like it. Nice. And uh, other than that, I've been playing around with carving chisels a lot. In fact, I'm heading up to the Acanthus workshop um, this weekend for a a carving class with Chuck that I've been wanting to take for like three years, but every time he offers it, I'm out of town. So I'm (laughs) kind of excited about this. But yeah, it's it's just been something that um, I've been kind of messing around with for probably three years now. You know, you pick up carving chisels for like a week, play around with them, and then like don't see them again for eight months, and then you pick them up (laughs) again. So... I figure it's been three years since I've been carving, and I've got about one month of experience. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would check with Chuck to make sure that that's not intentional, that he always offers that when you're going to be out of town. Because Oh, I know it's intentional. <laughs> no question.
3: What?
2: Fact, um, I,
0: I signed up for this using an alias. That was the only way I could get in. <laughs> nice. That's pretty much the only way I can get into classes anymore either.
2: <laughs> what? Uh, what brand did you wind up going with?
3: On your chisels. um I I have I have a mix I mean I first started with the Swiss maids, the files um and you know I like them they're they're good chisels they're just they're not um and there, there's a lot of uh what shall we say schools of thought on how to set up your chisel yeah and the more I play around with them, the more I'm kind of firmly in the the crisp pie school of thought with uh, the the bevel angle and and as he calls them commissioning his chisels so you have to do quite a bit of work to the file chisels to get them where you want them to mm-hmm. get the lower angle, so it's more comfortable to use. Um, I just recently bought a, uh, a different size for specifically letter carving, uh, a wider, flatter chisel. And I used, uh, I got a Henry Taylor for that just to try it. And um, that had a much lower angle ground into it. So it was actually a lot easier to get set up. Steel quality, handle quality, all that stuff's pretty much the same. It's just, you know, it's like buying a hand plane. How much work do you have to do to get the thing set up? Mm -hmm. They're all good. You know, they're all flat to more than you could ever possibly need in woodworking, but it's just a matter of how much work you have to put into it to get it in working condition. So for the most part, I have files and I have two Henry Taylors. Nice. Cool. Yep. Yep. Yep.
2: Awesome. No, I've actually, um, I picked up one of those just because I didn't know what I was doing and just thought they look cool. One of those, what is it? Flex cut or flex, yeah, flex something rather. Sure. Um, they're pretty good, but they're not, you know, I don't have like full size chisels and I've been looking to to just pick them up because there's, there's always times when they're, I don't really do much in the way of carving, but it has been something that like once in a while a bug would hit me and I go, you know what? I'd like to try and to carve something and see if I can actually accomplish it, but I don't necessarily have the right tools to do it. Right. Uh, so I'd like to get a nice set of, uh, you know, full size carving chisels, just the basics, you know, just to have them around. So if the mood strikes me and I want to try my luck at it or take a class and I will not uh, let them know I'm affiliated with Shannon. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'd like to get in well, the class. <laughs> you know, I've certainly
3: heard really, really good things about um, RU. They've got a, I think, you can only buy it in a set form now or something like six chisels in it. But I mean, RU is such an incredible brand. There's such a good strong name with that Yeah. when it comes to their files and rasps. And uh, of course, Chris Pye is like over the moon about these chisels and endorses them heartily and has a YouTube video endorsing them and everything. So maybe I'm a little bit biased there, but it'd be, be interesting to try those. The only issue for me is I'm, I'm always hesitant to buy sets, because nine times out of ten, I, use, I don't use half the tools in the set, right, you know, yeah. even with bench chisels. You know, I have a 5 inch bench chisel that I think I've used once because <laughs> I bought a, a, a set. I was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> right. So the big thing with carving gouges and, and chisels and bent backs and all that stuff is just uh, buy them as you need them. I guess that's no different than any other tool because there's just such a dizzying array of them. And so I, I've been approaching it from a kind of one project at a time. You know, I learned to carve a, a queen Anne fan a couple of years ago and I bought like the three tools I needed to do that particular fan. And uh, that's kind of, I think what Chuck is doing this weekend, we're going to carve a couple of different things. And he's provided a list of, I think four chisels that you need to carve them all. You quickly realize that you can carve, you don't have to have like this particular size of chisel in order to carve what you need. You can make, just about any sweep, um, you can make any sweep carve a circle that is tighter than the sweep of the chisel. You can't make a sweep carve a circle that is wider than the chisel. If mm, that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. That doesn't make sense to me, so uh, don't worry about it, if it. Doesn't make sense to you. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, so it's a it's sweeter. a matter of it's a matter of kind of leaning into it a little bit more and tightening up the curve. So there's you can actually do a lot of carving with very few chisels. And the more, the more I mess around with it, the more it, it's, you know, I'm not, not great at it, but it's, it's less and less kind of um, mystical. Right. It's like, oh, it's connect the dots. You know, it's like the first time I carved a ball and claw foot. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> that's it. And, and you know, what, what separates the men from the boys is, you know, the Christmas of the edges and how long it takes you to do it and everything. But um, so far, at least when it comes to furniture carving, you know, I'm not a, carving decoys and bird, you know, in the round type sculptures, that's a totally different thing. But when it comes to the simple stuff for furniture and and molding details and everything, so far, knock on wood, it doesn't seem to be that difficult. It's just kind of like anything with woodworking, just got to kind of get the feel for the tool and go slowly.
2: Well, And it's like, I I try to tell people all the time who want to get into woodworking and are kind of just intimidated by it and, the intimidation is seeing the final product and then the starting materials and not understanding how to get to that point. You know That there really is a smaller series of steps that you follow and if you have someone there to guide you through those steps, you'd be amazed at the things that you can accomplish and you just have to be able to learn those steps and then now refining it and putting the art into it and like you said, the edges and making everything look absolutely crisp and perfect, sure, that's going to take a whole lot of time to get there, but the fundamentals, the basics, all across woodworking, really just come down to a series of steps that some people know and some people don't. And you go to classes to learn those steps. Pretty much. Uh, I, I
0: have to say, every time I see Carrie Haltman put something up where she's carved, I'm immediately like, I have a small set down in my shop that probably, um, I don't, they, they've never really been touched other than just simply to hold them and look at them and keep telling them one day they're going to be taken out of the box and used and every time I see something that she puts up I'm just like oh, I've got <laughs> to take the opportunity to do this but I'm so intimidated by the fact that I have, I think it's like a seven-piece set or something like that, and I have no clue what to do with any of them. You know, in, <laughs> in the latest issue of uh, uh, Popular Woodworking magazine, um, Don Weber has the Irish chair in there. In fact, it, it's on the cover of it, and that he has awesome. a, a Celtic. Yeah, he has that, that really neat Celtic inlay on there, and he did that with just one single uh, yeah, carving tool. Yeah. And it's you, you look at that. And to me, I in my mind, I'm, I'm seeing several tools like, oh, I got to use this to get around there. But it's one single one. So that does really go to that idea of you don't need a tire, an entire complement of tools to achieve something that pretty. Right. So, well, I'll tell you,
3: it's, it's extremely addicting. And, you know, just like when you first started woodworking and suddenly you start to, like, see how things go together like you're sitting in the restaurant and you find yourself examining at the, the bottom of the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's that when you start to carve, you start to like, you see something and you start to like break it down into gouge sweeps and what was done with the V tool and how was that done. And that was the first thing that went through my head when I saw that Welsh stick chair was I, I started looking at it going, okay, well, he made a cut here and he made a cut there. And it's, it it all starts to make sense, you know, again, you know, for armchair woodworkers everywhere. Oh yeah, that looks real easy, and then you do it. Cool. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, you just got to increase. It's fun. Just got to increase your vocabulary, you know, and then you then you can yeah, understand right. these things a little better. The coolest he, thing, uh, the last thing I'll say about this, the coolest thing is that you know I went out and I bought um I bought some basswood because we don't carry basswood, so I actually bought lumber first time since I started working for a lumberyard. <laughs> I bought some lumber, and um. It's, it's so easy to do 15 minutes. You sit down, make some cuts, play around and then go, you know, there's no, there's no setting up anything. It's just a little board. You set it down, you know, clamp it on the bench and go to work. And that's something very cool about to the point where you could like take it with you on
0: vacation. So there's something very mobile about carving. That's kind of neat. Sure. Uh, I would advise uh, checking that bag in versus trying to those tools <laughs> yeah, carry right. on. You might you might get a, a a show of your own kind of a thing. Um, hey, one thing I just want to go back real quick. Sorry to interrupt you there. I, I knew I wasn't going crazy with this dado thing and the splitter. Actually, over at Microjig, they have this is in their information center, which I, must be where people have sent stuff in. They have what they're referring to as the MJ splitter techniques, the dado tamer. Oh, no kidding. And, no, I, I got a link. In fact, yeah. I, I'll put it in the notes. Uh, they have a little slideshow. Essentially what it is is they've taken one of the plastic ones and they just nip off the top so that it is a low profile one. And they're showing at least in this little, this little slideshow that they have uh, for a very narrow, say like a quarter inch or maybe even like an eighth of an inch type um, uh, through dado kind of a thing. Nice. So, yeah. There I'm you like, go. Ah. But I bet oh, you
2: void your warranty on your splitter.
0: That's what I'm thinking. This might be one that you're like, you know, I'm upgrading to the steel. I think this plastic one is fine. So. I can carve <laughs> this one with no uh, no worries.
2: Well, very cool. So, yeah. Let's put one more question to that.
0: for you, Shannon. I just want to ask you with you purchasing lumber, um, did you go in and maybe try to like schmooze them a little bit by throwing out your fancy schmancy lumber uh, uh, chatter and stuff and see if like, maybe they fit? <laughs> They're like, we're going to give you a discount because you knew that terminology. <laughs> um, um, no. <laughs> fancy, I try fancy it all the time. That doesn't work for me either.
3: I got to think of what fancy schmancy lumber chatter I know Uh, uh, S4S (laughs) Uh, Like that I find that if you approach any conversation in a Thurston Howell voice, you get good results (laughs) Lovely
2: Lovely. Lovely. Nice to see you at the island club (laughs) That does work what do you want, At Shannon? I'll good. give you anything you want. Give me some butternut. I butternut get too much butternut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's, oh, that's awesome! All right. that
2: down. Uh, let's move on to the around the web segment. And uh, if you don't mind, <laughs> it's contagious. Uh, Thurston, I think you put these in there. If you wanna, if you wanna read those, or whoever did, can read them. I put okay. the
3: second one in. First one must be Matt.
0: It's his fault. <laughs> go, Matt. Go. All right. Well, coming up pretty soon here. It is May nineteenth. Uh, Glenn Huey. Uh, the contributing editor over at Popular Woodworking uh, and a close personal friend of mine. Uh, well, I say that. He just more or less denies it completely. Uh, but anyways, Glenn's going to be visiting the Michigan Woodworkers Guild May 19th. Uh, we'll have a link in the in the show notes for this. I, I, there is a PDF for it. You can find it over there at this link. And essentially, he's coming in from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's a lunch included with it, uh, coffee, snacks, all that good stuff. He's going to be talking about numerous aspects of finishing, uh, including wood prep, wood species, surface preparation, solvents, dyes, staining, artifact avoidance, top coating, all that good stuff. Um, and I was kind of emailing back and forth with Glenn at one point, again, him trying to deny that it's even his real email address. Uh, but this sounds pretty neat. I, my understanding is it is limited seating. So that's where I thought I would put this up as a as a as a nod to my fellow Michiganders. You know, get yourself over there and uh, um, definitely check this out because uh, Glenn knows a thing or two about uh, a little bit of finishing here and there. He's he's done a few articles, and it was just the fact that somebody kind of famous is coming to Michigan kind of excites me. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: right nice. on. That's cool. Um, yeah, tell Glenn cool. I said hi.
0: Oh, definitely. I'll well, say again, Mark who? would even acknowledge it's my email. <laughs> All right.
3: <laughs> nice. Well, as if any other news mattered. You're
0: reading it wrong.
3: Thurston. The most, email, sorry. <laughs> the most important news in the woodworking world today. <laughs> yes. Popular Woodworking is going to publish The Woodwright Shop season one through three and apparently season 20, because I guess that's Roy's favorite. And they'll continue to publish earlier, like in, in order over time, which is the coolest thing ever, because I've basically been trying to find out, is there any way... You know, can I find it in some sort of torrent site? Can I get it in 8-track? Whatever. Can I get old <laughs> copies of The Woodwright Laser LaserDisc, I think, maybe. Um, and uh, there is a, uh, what is it? I think the first three minutes of the very first episode up on YouTube right now. And it's just, it's a trip to watch because yep. Roy is, you know, decidedly younger. Even his voice sounds younger. And he's just this, like, 30-something dude who's, you can only imagine in the 80s how, you know, odd (laughs) he was then and now he's like this icon this like universally accepted icon and i can only imagine talk about a trailblazer to be the very first episode it's just kind of cool to see it especially considering actually when was it it wasn't in the 80s no i guess this is season 31 so it would be sometime in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, the show's been around. Basically
2: when that intro was filmed. I mean, look at the cars. <laughs> You'll
3: see. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And there's like the the opening like PBS thing. It's like total 80s um, bumper for uh, TV stations. It's just very cool. Right, right. So I'm, I'm excited about that. That's going to be great to be able to have those on DVD. And apparently they're going to put them up in the shop class on demand thing as well. So that's pretty that's sweet. That's awesome. Can't wait.
2: Very cool. Do you guys know if the shop class stuff, I haven't actually used any of that myself is, do they give you full access to the files so you can actually like download them and get them? No. Okay. So it's only viewable within the website.
3: Yeah. Um, I signed up for like the little free weekend thing to see what was going on in there. It's pretty cool. I mean the, the, I'll give them credit, at least from my, my connection, I didn't get any buffering on the high quality version. Yeah. That's good. Um, so it's kind of neat. You can pull it up. Of course it's not mobile. Um, so you can't, well, at least not Apple mobile. Um, right. It's all flash-based, which would be kind of a nice thing to do because I could see pulling it up on an iPad and watching it that way.
2: But. Yeah, that would be nice. Oh, well. C'est la vie. So much for that. Okay, so l- some listener emails. I think we have time to jump into these real quick. Um, you know what? Let's cut one one of them out, though, so we can get to the voicemails, too. That sounds good. I'll let you pick, Matt, which one you want to uh, slice out of there.
0: Well, let's take the first one out because the, the second one – both you and Shannon can definitely talk about this, and I think we can get a really good conversation going. Um, and we'll, we'll just go, yeah, let's do that, because that, that one definitely, I think there might be a few other people out there. It's talking about the, the Rubo workbench. In fact, why don't I go ahead and read it for the two of you, because it is actually geared towards the two of you. And I've <laughs> I know you do that, bit. Matt. That sounds like a right. good plan, Matt. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to read it for I'm you I'm all guys. for that plan. Are you ready for me to read it to you? Yes, please do. Okay, I'm going to read it to you right now. Here it goes. Okay, I'm going to read it. it says, hey, guys. I'm slowly but surely building a Rubo workbench. I noticed that Shannon, this is for you, Shannon, okay. positioned the parallel guide on the leg vice at the bottom of the leg, while Mark, this is for you, Mark, has his above the shelf. Mm. I'm curious what both of you think about the advantages or disadvantages of this placement. Shannon, any regrets on putting it on the bottom leg? Mark, I'm guessing your choice of placement was largely guided by the Benchcrafted hardware, and that was sent in by Mark Jacobs. So, any comments, gentlemen? Hmm.
2: Well, I responded to Mark, and I said, well, my decision was largely based on copying Benchcrafted's plans. Uh, and, and my decision
0: was based largely on copying Christopher Schwarz's plan. <laughs> well, well see, it's so. funny because actually in the, the the longer portion of the email, he did mention the fact that Chris Schwarz had it I think the same way that you do, Shannon. So that was kind of like that, right. you know, is it because of this way or is it because of that way? So,
2: Well, I can tell you with the benchcrafted design it is very intentional because they have the rollers for the parallel guide and that roller itself is like four or five inches long. So you need at least enough space for that roller to be in place that supports the parallel guide and then it's only Natural at that point that the parallel guide be above the shelf. Um, I don't know if losing that five inches of you know um, the the sort of fulcrum action that you get with the clamp if that really has any impact whatsoever. I, I, my gut tells me probably not because I don't think I've ever felt any inadequacies in in the clamping ability of it. But Shannon, yours goes all the way down. I'm curious if if you have any perspective on it. Well,
3: actually, I have both. Um, My fixed leg vice goes below that, and Mm. my sliding leg vice, the the parallel guide, is above my shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I actually do have both of those. And no, I haven't noticed any difference in clamping power. I mean, let's be serious. These leg vices clamp, you know, you can crush small animals and things. Well, Ew. so I hear <laughs> you could crush a walnut, put it that way. You could, you just don't need any more clamping pressure than that without destroying your work. Right. Um, you know, uh, really the, the only difference I can see is, you know, the stooping thing to change your, to change the pen. And Oh yeah, that's true. You know, I, I'm just used to it. And frankly, how often do we really change it? I, I don't that often from eight quarter stock or maybe 12 quarter stock to four quarter stock. And basically I don't ever shift the pin location for those, even from like an inch and under. Technically I suppose I should shift the pin location if I'm clamping like quarter inch thick stock, but I don't because it still pivot in pivots in enough. Now that may be different with the bench cuz the tolerance or the screw on the bench craft, the tolerances are tighter yeah. than my my wooden screws I get so about that's a probably a little bit different
2: I get about a quarter inch travel on mine once the pin is engaged okay. so I mean you still have a little bit of flexibility there
3: Yeah but you know I I don't think it's going to interfere with the you know the capacity at all cuz the screws the thing that really affects that and you know, you can still clamp all the way to the floor on either side of the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, in his original email, he asked something about, you know, does it drag on the floor or something like that? And the design that that Chris popularized, the the guide is not actually touching the floor. It's about, I'd say, a quarter of inch off the floor. But the mortise that the guide runs through is open on the uh, bottom of the leg.
2: I see. Okay.
3: But, I mean, it's, it's a good fit side to side, and you've got – you know, a little bit of movement up and down, but you know, I just keep my parallel guide waxed and I, I mean, it runs like butter. So hmm. 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 yeah, no different, frankly. Hey,
2: so speaking of that, what do you guys think of the new bench crafted like prototype video that was out there for that cross scissor jack looking thing to, to replace the parallel guide?
3: I'd have to look at it a little bit closer, but to me that seems like it would affect the clamping capacity because now you can't run something through the middle of the leg vice.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've got all that metal in there now.
3: Yeah. Huh. Cause I do that from time to time, especially on longer boards. Um, if you ever like tried to put dovetails on the end of like a six foot long board, you know, if you put it straight up and down, you're going to be dovetailing like at shoulder level. So if you put it at an angle, um, and like feed it underneath the screw, yeah, so ske- it's like skew a it in. 25 degree. I mean, I do that actually quite a bit. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, again, the clamping power of these things is so strong that it probably won't make much of a difference. But yeah, you maybe to, uh... I'm also just bitter
0: because, you know, they, <laughs> they came out with a glide leg vice, like, after I built my bench. like you're freaking I, I heard that was also intentional. They were talking with Chuck, and they said, what would really mess up Shannon? Why don't you come out with this after he puts together a, a, a bench? I think
2: you should write him yeah. and just let him know that their design is flawed. <laughs> it's bad. It's wrong. <laughs> See what they think about that. <laughs> Hey. It's cheating. Nice. All right. So what else we got? Do we have any other? Let's do one more of the, the emails real quick.
3: Okay.
0: Pick one. All right. Uh, well, we only have the other one left. I took the other one out of our, our, our thing here. So let me go ahead and read this one. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, hey, guys, I'm considering purchasing a Lee Nielsen number four smoother with the 55 degree high angle frog. Is this a good idea to go with the high angle frog to use as my primary slash only smoother aside from having to push slightly harder and sharpen more often, is there any downside to using a 55-degree smoother for every smoothing task? I typically use cherry and walnut, but I'd like to use some curly cherry or some more figured woods in the future. Thanks, Adam Wygand. And it was very nice. He put in a little sound thing to help me pronounce that, or help us pronounce it. <laughs> Sweet. Probably more intended for me. Um, and well, since the sound thing was intended for me, let me go ahead and answer this, because I just I just answered this before we went on the air. Well, I was going to say, and... we just
2: got done yapping, so your, your turn to <laughs> yap a little bit.
0: Okay, well, here we go. Yeah. Strap in, folks. It's going to take a little while. (laughs) Um, What I ended up writing back to Adam is I really don't think that there's any problem whatsoever with just going with the 55-degree one. Uh, I think it's just a total, you know, other than the little extra elbow grease that you're going to end up having to use occasionally. Although for anybody that happens to have a bevel-up smoother with the optional blades and have gone to something like this, to be quite honest with you, I have... And I'm such a wuss when it comes to things like this. I'm very sensitive to when I have to use extra elbow grease because I hate doing it. But it's really not that bad, to be quite honest with you. And there's so many other things you can do if you are running to really some super tricky grains anyways, like maybe skewing the blade slightly or closing the mouth just a little bit more. There are just you know little techniques like that that can really kind of help out. Uh, but overall, a- another example for me of why going with the 55 degree high angle frog might be, a a great option also for just using as your primary smoother versus the traditional 45 is the breeze smoother. Anybody remember that the eight years it took me to build that? (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The 90 episodes of it. Uh, But that one happens to be bedded at 50, 55, if I remember correctly, but I don't remember at the moment. And to be honest with you, uh, I have no issues with that. I've used it on pine, poplar, cherry, maple. Um, well, that's about the extent of my exotics. Uh, but I've used it on all of those. I've used it with some highly figured stuff and, and just some plain old simple stuff. And I have yet to have any issues with suddenly running into uh, hand planer's elbow or anything. So d- as far as I'm concerned, I don't see an issue at all. I, I can't imagine one down the road.
3: Anything that
2: I think that, you're Shannon? wrong.
3: <laughs> yes. Finally, let's do it. It's on. actually ding ding. Actually. I, I don't know. I don't really disagree with that. I just feel like we always agree with one another. So no, I mean, it's funny. Cause he says, aside from having to push slightly harder and sharpen more often, those are two pretty big things for me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you, Matt, I don't like pushing harder and sharpening. I don't mind sharpening. I just don't enjoy sharpening. Um, You know, you, you can't beat it when it comes to figured woods, but if you're, if you're using primarily cherry and walnut, I actually do feel a significant difference because I do have my, my bevel up, um, Veritas plane. And then I have a Lee Nielsen number four with a 45 degree frog and, um, you know, several number threes all with 45 degree frogs. And I mean, it is a significantly harder thing to push. So if you're, if you're pushing planes a lot, um, it's it's not like it's going to tire you out. It's just I think anytime you have to like muscle through something, you lose a little bit of finesse. You lose a little bit of precision, right. You know? Um, it's kind of like having a dull chisel. you know, well, it's it's a lot harder to get accurate cuts if you got to really whale on it to
0: make it cut through the wood well, one thing i I, I was thinking is, if he's using this as a true smoother, oftentimes the smoother, well, typically the smoother would be the absolute last one that you would hit it with. So this is kind of light shavings. Yeah. True. um, You know, so it's not quite as much, I could see now if it was like, I'm planning on using this for in my Jack plane. And that case i would be like, Whoa, the idea is to make it easier on yourself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, if it, if it causes me to like have a sweat or think about having a sweat or something like that, usually I go, well, you know, I'm, not a younger man anymore, so <laughs> let's say no to this and go for the easy option. Well, you know, just for the sake of causing controversy... Let's do it. <laughs> one could say that the higher-angle
3: frogs are kind of like training wheels. Um, you can get a tear-out-free finish on a figured board just by tightening up the mouth, having a really sharp iron, you know? Um, if, if the, the iron is bedded well and there's no chatter and there's full support... Um, and the, the mouth is ridiculously tight, and the iron, of course, is freshly sharpened. You can get a tear out free finish. Right. Sometimes you got to switch directions. Sometimes you got to go out a couple of different ways. Um, what we've done by introducing higher angle frogs is just basically eliminate the need to do that. Um, you can plane against the grain with some of those. And and you know if you look at the like the Breeze planes or the Sauer and Steiner planes, they're bedded at a higher angle. And you know you can't get a cork through the opening in the mouth. That's right. Yeah. I just said a cork. Yes.
1: <laughs>
3: Shows. What got did you mean low. a cork? A cork, right. a cork bead. Yeah. It's a- anyway,
0: well, you know, it what you blocks just
3: light. It's so tight, um, and that's really all that you need to do. And you can plane with a Sauer and Steiner, a Breeze plane, against the grain on curly maple intentionally, and you won't get tear out. In fact i don't know if you can get tear out with either of those planes and i mean it's 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 you know i uh, training wheels has got such a negative connotation to it but if you stack the cards in your favor enough yeah you're not going to get tear out i have no but, problem
2: with training wheels yeah if it may you know if it, if it actually produces good results uh, and, right. and helps me get better at something heck yeah i'll use training wheels yeah, I won't the call them training about wheels. About using
0: uh, <laughs> sharpening jigs. Everybody always calls those training wheels. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> and they're not coming off my bike. I'm <laughs> I was going to say, I training thought, wheels, was, if my goal is to ride with training wheels on my bike, sure. <laughs> <laughs> my goal is not to fall down and get a big scrape on my, my knee with a really bad boo-boo. Uh, <laughs> one thing, when as you were mentioning it, Shannon, uh, anybody that attended Woodworking America last year, uh, any of the Graham Blackburn classes, he actually did do this with a traditional 45-degree like, plane. And he's like, just tighten the mouth. There you go. Speaking of controversy, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. that was he,
3: he turned a lot of people on their head in that conference. Oh, that, was, you that was beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was nice. Cool. Anyway, but, so yeah, this
3: is my, as I said, in order to create controversy, because here's somebody that has a 50-degree iron in their bevel-up smoothing plane. <laughs> Talk about training wheels. 62 degrees, uh 62-degree bedded angle, is that's a training wheel if I've ever heard one.
2: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we do have a couple of voicemails if you guys want to jump into those. Uh, we've got one from Diami here, and this is kind of just a little bit of a safety story concerning his experience with the router. So let's take yep. a listen.
1: Good evening, Wood Talk Online folk. This is Diami from penultimatewoodshop.com and modernwoodworkersassociation.com wanted to relay my safety week story, which I'll blog about this coming week. Uh, over the summer, I was routing some um, some T V C trim from my house, from the exterior trim, and I was using a router bit, roughly one inch diameter by an inch and a half long pattern bit. And I was finished for the day. It was literally my last routing pass, even if I hadn't injured myself. Um, and I was swinging it back. I, I finished the cut, I was swinging the router kind of back and forth in my arm, and my left palm made contact with the bottom of the router. I managed to bury the bit in my palm. Thankfully, I was using a trigger-actuated router, so my finger was off the trigger, though the router was still spinning, I'm going to guess, close to full speed. It was only a second that I'd taken my finger off the trigger first. So, thankfully, there was no power in there, and my bitch kind of bound up in my hand, ended up getting like a half dozen stitches in my palm, and I'm looking at a scar now, but other than that, no lasting damage. I was just really lucky because of the, the trigger actuation. So since then, I've resolved that whenever possible, I'm only going to buy trigger-actuated routers, and ultimately I plan to replace a number of them that I have now with trigger-run machines. And I would recommend that everyone does the same, because I think that the trigger and the fact that you immediately release it rather than having the damn thing spin and spin and spin and spin after you've hurt yourself is probably a good safety feature. I'd also love to see more American routers, so routers in the American market that have uh, stops electronic brakes but I don't seem to see that apparently they're available in Europe but anyway that's my tip I hope no one is uh, is hurting themselves with routers or other tools stay safe in the shop and we'll talk to you soon
2: that's a really good point with the brake I mean so many times I've well I can't say so many times there have been a few times that I've had a close call where I have finished a routing operation and just kind of was ready to do the next thing and I'm putting the router down and it's like whoa 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 that is still spinning (laughs) (laughs) I can't quite just sit that down right now um, so that's, that's a good point. And man, in the palm, ouch. Mm, yikes! Right.
0: Yeah. He, he is oh, extremely
3: something. lucky. Yeah.
0: Extremely Ugh. lucky. Right in your hand, oh. meat. I wonder if the, if diami like, did he, when did he say that that happened? I wonder if we're like, you know, like router accident buddies, if we had it around the same time, and <laughs> that kind of a thing. Cause coming up for <laughs> safety week, uh, we, I happen to catch something on video that will probably make a few people squirm. And uh, and that will be a a lot of fun to see that. Do you want to live that whole thing?
2: Don't give too many secrets away. You know, I don't want you to to spoil it. But give us a little. um info on that like what, what people can expect because I, I saw the video when it happened and squirm. I will just say that you guys
0: got to see it while I was still in the emergency room. Yeah <laughs> so, so, so that's tell, right.
3: T- t- you actually sent it while you were still bleeding. Yeah it's <laughs> funny. I was like man show um, me show
2: me the damage. Show me the damage. <laughs> okay.
3: All right, you asked I think I it. think we asked if you were okay
0: after we asked for you know copy of the video right. that was oh, yeah. too. are you all right <laughs> yeah so without giving too much of this away um, I did have an accident uh, with one of my routers, um, and this is going to be a great example of becoming way too complacent with how we use our tools, uh, because I definitely, this is a great example of somebody being overly confident and overly cocky, perhaps, without even thinking about it until it it ends up happening. And you can, for anybody that has, and I think, I, I know we've been guilty of kind of I won't say saying this, but maybe implying just slightly that, you know, uh, because I know I've said this actually in people's face that, you know, if oh, something's going to happen. <laughs> I've got a great reaction moving out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> I had an amazing reaction. You'll see it in full speed. Uh, fat man can run, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes down to it, it's one of those, these things happen so quickly that I don't care who you are, you could be the flash, but you're still going to somehow get touched. It's going to reach out and it's going to touch you. And uh, I plan on running it at regular speed and then I'm going to slow the thing down so you can see what actually happens. Um, so I'm just gonna Give everybody a heads up now. If you're listening to this, uh, don't plan on eating a big lunch that day. I think a few of you might be affected by it. But the good news is, um, for those of you who asked during the Ron Hawke uh, uh, wood plane project that I had, why do you have a bandage on your hand? Uh, this is that reason. So it's it's not I so see. much gory as it is unsettling. That's yeah. exactly it.
2: Yes. You know, because you think about wow, this could very easily you could see yourself. Like when I was watching you, I didn't necessarily even see anything jumping Harman. out at me that was like just obviously wrong like uh oh he's doing this uh, like you know like that goofball right. on YouTube that jump starts his table saw with his leg or something <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> have you seen that it's like it's not that type of a video you look like you're doing some routine operation but then once you really break it down um, you can see how it's not just is, is what I'm doing unsafe it's if something should go wrong can I recover or am I protected if, you know, the worst happens? And, and that's exactly. what happens. Something went wrong and, and those protections weren't in place. So it's, it's definitely unsettling to be sure. Right.
3: And I, the, remember, the, the- I remember watching it and thinking, you know, because I knew something was going to happen and I was waiting for it, and waiting for it. <laughs> and I was totally shocked when it did, because as Mark just said, it's not like you were doing anything wrong. You know, it's not like, ooh, that's an accident waiting
0: to happen. It was like, holy crap. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not like I was, like, drinking a cup of coffee, having a conversation, looking away from the tool. It was, you know, totally engaged with it. And and this is also another great example of how when you end up seeing this – Oftentimes when an accident occurs, some, well, I won't say oftentimes, sometimes when an accident occurs, we don't realize right away that something has happened because I end up turning the video off at one point, but right afterwards, I didn't think anything happened to me until suddenly I looked down and I'm like, why is my bench red? What the heck is going on here? And then that's when the realities, you know, kind of creeped in and it was like, oh my God, I just had this horrible accident. Thank God I got it on video. That was my second thought. <laughs> you know, that's so weird that,
2: that that goes through your head. I mean, I've I've had that thought too when I've had a little accident and going. You know, uh, the, the people eat this stuff up. It's really important to to show them where you make a mistake, a realistic yep. mistake in a real situation that was. It's not like I you know I'm going to cut myself to teach people something. It's like no, I screwed up, and here's what I did. You know. <laughs>
0: Yep. yikes oh yeah
2: well this well, actually yeah. might while be a we're good on
3: that while we're on that topic Perfect. that's exactly what i'll be doing for safety week next week because i too <laughs> caught something on film now oh, yes. hand tool school members have already seen it but uh-huh. you know i don't know care if care we're an adult swim or not but shit happens with hand tools too yeah <laughs> and you know you the, the crazy thing with hand tools is they're so sharp that they leave such a clean cut that you don't even feel it yep. you know not at all And two stitches later, you're like, really? I needed stitches for that? Yeah. yeah." Well, the good thing is, you know, and the same thing was, oh, cool. I got that on film. Well, they do
2: heal fast, you know, because it is such a clean cut. I've had a few slices. Uh, Most of the time it comes from the side of my Lee Nielsen mortise chisels that are freaking razor sharp. Um, But the the slice is so clean. It's like the next day you can't even tell there was anything there.
0: Right. Definitely. Unless it's deep enough. (laughs) Right, that's true.
2: Well, we were going to talk a little bit before we go to the other voicemails. Maybe we might even save those for another time. Um, We were going to discuss just that, like our worst, or maybe not worst, but like, I don't know, just any kind of sort of safety, close call, or injury, or any sort of blood and gut story that we had uh, in the past happen to us. I thought this would be a good occasion to talk about those things and, and really focus on what we can learn from those. And Matt, I I don't know if that does that count as yours? Is that what would have been your story?
0: That was um that's definitely the big one. I I do have a kickback story, which thankfully uh resulted in nothing more than a nice well, it was a nice big bruise right across my gut. That was the 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 most horrific thing that happened to me. Although I will admit anybody that's had a kickback, and I think we all have had at one point, uh if you can walk away from it, that's a that's a really good thing. (laughs) It's a win. Yeah, because you know, really, depending on how it is, you could get dropped right down on on top of the blade or something like that. But I that was my the first time ever that I had a shop accident, and it was it was a kickback, and it was a piece of plywood. I I know all the things that I was doing wrong. I didn't have uh, my safety devices obviously in place. I didn't have the blade guard on because well, I hated that one. It really it, it, it it's it was terrible. I'm gonna put it that way. I'm gonna keep it clean still. Um, but it, it just was it was really bad. And what I ended up doing was. All those things that we talk about, how it can easily just kind of pinch against the fence and you don't even realize it. And when that thing shot back, I mean, it went, it was wider than I am, which means it was a pretty good size piece. And it nailed me. And I thought that I just got kicked by like two mules. It pretty much <laughs> knocked me back a good couple of feet to the point where I, I was stunned. I didn't know what happened at first. And I immediately started doing like that body thing where, I'm not kidding. I was like touching my arms, touching my hands, looking at my fingers, making sure that, you know, there wasn't blood gushing from anywhere and that I still had everything. I was so dazed. I ended up walking away from the tool and then I had to come back in and remember to turn the tool off because I was just so out of it. Mm, you know, so that that's my my other big one. Hmm. Uh, Shannon, what, what about you? Well, um I actually had the same situation Matt did. Um
3: and I, you know, Matt brothers in arms uh, or guts in arms, I guess you yeah, should that's more say. Like it, yes. <laughs> thank thank God that extra insulation there, but I ended up with a nasty bruise. But when it comes to I think the scariest thing and and again, like a tiny little scratch is all that resulted, but um the reason to not only have a splitter but to have the guard over your table saw is I actually had a piece fall out of my hand onto the spinning blade and shoot up into my face. And, you know, again, wear your safety goggles. According to Norm Abrams, we should always, the most important thing is wear these safety glasses. Thank God I did. Wow. (laughs) And granted it, it, it glanced off the, now I just have safety rated eyeglasses, um, which is probably not the safest thing in the world when working with power tools because stuff can still get underneath them. But I, justifies by saying i don't work with power tools much anymore but at the time it glanced off the frame of my glasses and went straight into my forehead so i actually got kind of a nick on my forehead and i had a headache but um that scared the living daylights out of me like change your shorts scared because it popped right at my face at high speed and you know, that was one of those turn everything off and don't go back into the shop for two weeks. <laughs> it was that place scares me. I'm not going there, you know, which is probably what eventually led me to going all hand tools. So,
2: mm, yeah, you know, yeah. There, there are like two different types of, of injuries and the ones that scare me the most are the ones where, where I thought I was doing everything just fine you know, and something surprised me. Those are the ones that make me want to not go back in the shop for a couple of weeks. Um, but when I do something that's just dumb, I don't, <laughs> I just want to, I'm just angry at myself and I will take the day off because if I did something stupid, then obviously I need some time away. Um, but the the injury for me was not something that I even talked about. I don't think I've ever even told anyone about this because it was it was fairly recently and it was about at the peak of, my just you know domestic issues with my my son and not having any sleep and trying to get this Rubo built, um, and it was just a matter of not paying as much attention as I usually do. Um, I did not get it on film. Had I filmed it, I would have done something with it and I would have mentioned it. But since it was like off camera, I decided not to even bother. Um, I was trying to I don't even know what the operation was, but I was working at the bandsaw, and this is one of those injuries. It wasn't that bad, but it very quickly reminded me that these are the same machines that you see inside the butcher that are used yes. to like cut meat and bone. Huh, yeah. Uh, and how quickly a Laguna Resaw King can can cut my finger <laughs> if it really <laughs> wants to. Um, so here's what happened. I'm, I'm, I'm resawing something. I, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I had a little uh, cutoff piece. And there's one thing that always, in the back of my head, I always remember, I think it was from a Mark Adams DVD that he stressed or I heard that he always stresses this in his school, something associated with Mark Adams, about never trying to work the cutoff, you know, away from the blade without the blade being completely stopped. If there's something in the way, stop the saw, move the cutoff, and then proceed with your cut. So I had some dust and things in the way. I was getting ready to make the second cut, and I put my finger out, my hand out, to uh, remove what was in the way of the blade, and I don't know whether again being really tired I just wasn't all there. I didn't judge the distance properly and Ooh. I put the tip of my my middle finger right into the front of the blade. Oh my god. And and like you said, Matt, you were talking about you expect your reaction time to be faster. And I did. I pulled my hand back immediately. I mean to me it felt, you know, just like a instantaneous, but that time was just enough to dig the blade about a quarter inch into the tip of my finger. Nice. So Man. it was That's it was sad. awesome. Um, so I'm basically immediately just bleeding everywhere and I don't know how bad the damage is at this point so I kind of just calmly go inside the house and this is my shop is uh, is, happens to also be where my parents live and I go inside (laughs) Mommy! Mommy! Can you get my Spongebob Band-Aids?
0: So yeah, (laughs) I was like
2: uh, and my mom is the type who She quickly goes into the whole fight or flight thing. (laughs) And she's like, (laughs) Panic first, ask later. (laughs) She is very quick to just freak out when when something hits the fan. So I was like, Mom, just be calm. I cut my finger and I might need to go to the emergency room. And she's like, It was was hilarious. Um, Really, not not at the time. Uh, But in, in retrospect, it was really funny. So I I put my finger under the sink. I rinsed it off. We took a closer look at it and it turned out it wasn't nearly as as deep as I thought it was. Um, So I just went to my regular doctor and they just flushed it out, cleaned it up and and put a little band-aid on there. And uh, it was just one of those things that told me, wow, this could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, Fortunately, it didn't go down into the bone but it did cut into my fingernail um, and it healed fairly quickly uh, and I got—I kept moving through the project within a couple of days the band-aid was off so it wasn't too bad but boy do I have a whole lot more respect for that, for that bandsaw but it's not something that made me afraid of it because it was just stupid stupidity on my part it was nothing more than that so I didn't have that like oh I, I need to keep away from the shop for two weeks it was just like no I've just got to not ever be complacent and that, that's really what all these injuries come from is complacency most times
0: And those those tend to be the absolute worst. I mean, I really sure I I have a nice little boo boo from where I had my accident. But the thing that kills me the most is just that, oh, my God, I can't believe that all the times that I've talked about not becoming complacent and not making assumptions about your tool and becoming too friendly with them. Yeah. You know, it's just it's. I just feel like the biggest heel in the world that this ended up happening, you know, thankful that it was, you know, apparently my tool and I are like very nice, you know, terms that decided not to maul me, but at the same (laughs) time, though, you know, it really is, there's, there's that, just that gut feeling of just, I'm such an idiot, you know? <laughs> the other thing that just really kind of blew me away as I was thinking about it, um, is uh as you're going in for your SpongeBob Band-Aids, I suddenly realized that as I was down in my shop, I'm like, I have no first aid kit whatsoever. I mean, I really, if something happened, uh, which did happen, I ended up like, uh, thankfully, I, I ended up finding some paper towel in nearby and was able to stop my bleeding, but I have like nothing else. And hmm, that's a good I point. just, You know, it really speaks to having at least a basic first aid tool or first aid kit somewhere nearby so you could grab something and at least, you know, throw something in a wound to stop the bleeding. Or oftentimes when I'm sharpening, somehow I manage to rip all the skin off my fingers (laughs) on a on something <laughs> and so I got blood everywhere. You're, you're not supposed to sharpen your fingers, Matt. Yeah, now you tell me. That's
2: what sawdust is for. Just shove your hand in some sawdust and drive I yourself have... to the hospital. Hey,
0: walk it off. My family gets really grossed out because I do the bite thing all the time and kind of suck the blood. I'm like, look, it's gone. All right, let's get back to work.
3: <laughs> nice. Yeah, wow. I, I actually have bacon band-aids in my shop and those are awesome except that when you put them on, it looks like you've got like a bloody stump on your finger and it freaks people out. So
2: Bacon <laughs> band-aids? What's a bacon band-aid?
3: It's just a Band-Aid that's printed to look like bacon.
2: Oh. I thought, like, it smells like bacon, or it's, it's like, actually a piece of bacon. <laughs> it tastes like
0: bacon.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you that's only when
0: the dog gets up off the dust pile and is like, I've got a visit with you. Hey, a
3: snack. <laughs> nice. Very cool. I have plenty of Band-Aids in my shop. I'm, like, going for some sort of Roy Underhill record. Every time I sharpen or pick up a chisel, I tend to... Nick myself with it. Nice, it's ridiculous. Nice. It's My uh, ridiculous. You
2: guys know? Have Have you ever heard of us talk about Tree Frog? He hasn't been in the chat room in a long time, but he used to be a TWW regular. Yeah. yeah. Well, he sent me as a gift a collection of curse word band aids oh, that say nice. say all sorts of foul things on them, which are, are great after you injure yourself. It's very
3: appropriate. You saved those for Mateo.
2: you all will love them. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I think that we're gonna. We're gonna pinch it off here. We'll save those other two voicemails for the next episode, and I'll tell you what—we were a little bit late getting to it. But next week is safety week, and we'll have another show two weeks from now. So if you have some safety stories, definitely leave us a voicemail, and uh, we'll, we'll play them on the show. Preferably, if you can give us the the you know the lowdown on what you did to fix this or prevent it from happening in the future. Because I mean, telling these gory stories is all fun and all that, but it's nice if we can actually learn from these things too. Exactly.
0: Uh, right. Yes. Nope, no, no so. pictures, please.
2: Uh, I don't know I kind of like the pictures man I, I hate we'll
0: have I, a special album just for those I hate myself
2: for looking at them afterwards but I can't not look at them
3: you gotta love those forum posts that start in all caps warning blood to follow <laughs> exactly know, Like, and all you do is immediately scroll down
2: let me see let me see uh, totally alright cool so we're looking forward to that we'll play them on the show if you want to give us a call and Matt if you can tell them how they can get in touch with us and leave us those gory voicemails that would be great
0: that's right. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call 623-242-5180. If you happen to be on Skype, you can Skype us at WoodtalkOnline Online and leave your voicemail over there. Of course, don't forget that you could always record something, say, on your smartphone or maybe on your computer or whatever recording thing that you have that can be kind of digitally and you can upload it to us. You can send that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And of course, uh, head over to woodtalkonline.com. I don't know if you leave anything over there like that, but just do it anyways, because uh, Shannon will... Be there.
2: Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody in the chat room. Uh, Those who are enduring the new chat room, I realize it's a a little bit different and we're going to have to get used to it, but uh, suck it up. Um, and would whisper DOS,
3: <laughs> something like that. I think it's retro and cool. Hey,
2: IRC is where it's at, man. And it's better than paying 360 bucks for crappy Java that everybody wants to complain about, too. So, hey, man, testify. Uh, all right, well, stay safe. I hope you guys enjoy safety week next week. And uh, you too, stay safe. Talking to you guys that I'm talking on the line here, too. You well, you stay sleep. safe,
0: too, because otherwise we wouldn't have the uh, soundtracks to be able to do this. We'd be like, hey, when you take them off life support, can you have ask them where they're at so we can do the show? <laughs> I don't, I don't wow. know what you're
2: talking about, Matt. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, great show, guys, and thanks, Chat room, for hanging out with us. We will catch you in a couple of weeks. See Bye-bye. you. bye This podcast
1: is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogtents.com.